0: My name is Rich Schmidt. We're here with Bill and Julia Wayne. It's July thirteenth, twenty twenty-three. We're at Abbey Ridge Vineyards in Dundee. Thank you both so much for joining us and hosting us here today. First question, get things started. Why wine?
1: Me? Did you point to me? Either one. <laughs> Why wine? <laughs> uh, it's, a, uh, well, it's just, it's, it's a great, it's just a great accompaniment to food. That's what it's about, I think. And, 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 and we like food and have for years, and it's just, it's just part of a good meal. And so when we thought we could actually produce part of that, instead, instead of growing zucchinis or something, it seems more fun to, to grow g- good grapes to make good wine. Something, right. like, something like that. What do you think? Well, I was thinking that really, I think the story is
2: we were in Walla Walla And Bill was making, Bill was working on a wheat ranch, and he really loved that life. But you can't, no one can afford to buy a wheat ranch unless you marry into it, or you have relatives who own the wheat ranch. So we were looking for something sort of in the farming realm, and grapes, Seemed like something that was possible with a smaller acreage. And the place to go at the time was UC Davis to study uh, viticulture. So we went down there. Bill enrolled. I was a hand weaver at the time, so I was cranking out wall hangings. Um, and I should actually let Bill tell the story of, of what you discovered when you were
1: at Davis. I'd, I'd sort of like to back up a little bit. Oh. So you, you started a good th- a good thread. So, so here we are in Walla Walla in 1972, 73, 74. We went to college there. And we were living out in this wheat ranch, and I was working for these, these great... Cowboy wheat rancher guys, a lovely life. It's, it'd be a great life, but you, as she said, you can't, you can't buy it. You can't have a wheat ranch unless it's your in the family. Because Walla <laughs> Walla, that, it's the most beautiful place to be. But and it's all wheat. This beautiful wheat is all over the place. But except for, so we so we, so we thought it would be. As she said, be, the only reality would be to get into to viticulture, and. Um, for, for growing something that's nice to grow that would be on an affordable size, and I knew I used to race bicycles with it. This is what I was the story I always tell. I used to race bicycles with a guy named Niels Vengi, who ended up going to UC Davis back way early out of out of high school. He went, he went there for college, and it, and and st- and ended up working in the Napa Valley at um, Sterling among other vineyards. He, he helped plant all these these vineyards and. And so that was, he wasn't my idol or anything, but he was, you know, I thought Nils is doing that's kind of neat. So, so let's, so, okay, so let's go to UC Davis, and and learn how to do this, and and have a vineyard in California somewhere, knowing nothing about the fact that about two miles from where we were, um, Gary Figgins, and he was he was on Russell Creek Road, we were on on power line road. I knew, I knew, because there was a place to go swimming right there, near there. Um, he had, a, he had vineyards there. And, and I mean, he's just planting a young vineyard. And I just, but not knowing that, I thought, there's no way you could grow grapes in Walla Walla, grapes that are really, sus- that are sensitive to 2,4-D damage. And that whole valley gets flown over with, with 2,4-D. That's just, you know, you grow grapes that, you don't, you don't grow grapes there. You grow wheat there, and so so I thought I'm not man enough to stand up to the Walla Walla wheat growers and say, oh I'm sorry, my <laughs> my little five acres of grapes is going to be damaged by your 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 24D. You can't do it. I mean, some people might have the spot to do that. I, I didn't. Don't. So anyway, so we laughed, even though we knew we knew some people. Baker Ferguson was. a at, on the board of trustees at Whitman, and, and I remember talking with him and and our friend David Stevens, who taught econ at at, at Whitman. They were big into Bordeaux, and so they they knew all about wines, and and so I remember being in the in the in the uh, in the uh, getting my TRANSCRIPT sent down to to Davis from the Whitman College Register office, and, and I think they were both at least. Baker Ferguson was in there. We talked about wine, and that was before he started a call 41, you know, but he was interested in wine. And, but he, nobody mentioned Gary Figgins. And, and, and uh, so we went to California, figuring, figuring we'd, we'd try to buy some land in Sonoma or somewhere like that, maybe Napa. Not possible. <laughs> and, and I mean, land was really expensive in Napa. It was $5,000 an acre. That's true. 5,000 an acre was just, Uh, Anyway, that was the big first mistake we made. (laughs) But um, anyway, so we went down there, went to UC Davis um, and on our way through Portland with the U-Haul truck, all of our junk that we were moving down to California so we could go to UC Davis and stay there in California. (laughs) We stayed with some friends in Portland who were working at Genoa restaurant. And they said, you know, there were all these Reed College people that were t- that were working at Genoa. And and I thought and they said, you you don't need to go to California. They're they're making great wine out there by Dundee. We're 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 selling David let we're selling this wine. I didn't know it was it was iry at the time, but um, we're selling grapes we're selling wine from, from right out, out near here. You shouldn't, don't go bother going to California. And, and uh, you know, well, we had our truck out there and we were signed up, we were going Oh, to we Cal- had a plan. We were going to California. <laughs> so, but we were down there, you know, and, and it was all great. And But obviously that's, UC Davis is designed for how to grow grapes in California, as it should be. But, and they were saying, and then, um, but there was some talk about somebody growing grapes in Oregon, Pinot Noir. I didn't even know what Pinot Noir was. Uh, I don't think they did either. And, and uh, <laughs> because they were, they, were, they were talking about California Pinot Noir at the time, which was like Syrah or something. And so, so, so we moved, so we, we, we listened to all this talk about how you can't grow grapes in Oregon. I mean, they grow trees in Oregon. They didn't know or care about Oregon. But, but um, we kept thinking about what our friends said, and we thought we should we should check out the check out the the scene in the Oregon. Why, you know what's going on in Oregon because because we really missed Oregon. we been in, I'd been in Oregon since long long many years in Walla Walla. And, you know I didn't want to move back to California really, um, but
2: uh, right. No, another thing too was that. The common practice then was to, if you were gonna plant a vineyard, you'd you'd pump the soil full of potassium bromate. Methyl bromide. Or methyl bromide. And
1: put plastic over it. Kill kill everything. All the
2: organisms in the soil, and that just- That's how you do it. Seemed totally wrong. And um,
1: we weren't interested in that. So, friends, a new idea. And, and there was, there was an article. And I don't have it, so I don't can't came up, come up with it. There was an article in Northwest Magazine in in the spring of '75. <laughs> that that do you, does that ring a bell with you, Rich? Have you seen that? My um, my my dad's retired secretary
2: <laughs> um, sent us a copy of that because she had moved to Portland to be near her sister. She sent us a copy of that magazine. And we poured over it, and it talked about David Lett, Charles Curi, and Dick Rath. and that was pretty exciting. And so, so Bill wrote a letter to each of them, oh. and um,
1: he got two replies. So, so this is, <laughs> this is from David Lett. I just found this yesterday, but in my pile of letters, and I went right to it. I, I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, <laughs> I was in- I, I, I amazed. Mean, I went right to the to the bundle of of and says so this is Irie Vineyards um, 12th of March 1975 Irie Vineyards Dear Mr. Wayne I would be pleased to see you between the 23rd and 26th of this month but I must warn you that my time this month is hellish limited I love that (laughs) David Ladd that really caught my attention hellish limited go David I suggest mm-hmm. you give me a, a call when you are in Portland and we'll try to arrange a time. And I guess that was spring break because we came up. It was. It says, Sincerely, David Lett. So, so we came up during spring break and, and spent that four or five days out there helping, helping him stake. He says, you, you want to do some work? Yeah, sure. So so we staked out a whole bunch of of his vineyard where the, down at the very bottom of the south block where he had some he was planting some chardonnay. And that's what we did with our that's what we did with that was our favorite thing during Easter break. I mean, that's right.
2: awesome. it was it was Easter Sunday and the friends we were staying with had a family thing going on. So we wanted to make ourselves scarce. So
1: we got to work in a vineyard. <laughs> you know, David, he was hellish busy, I guess, but he, he found time to, to, it was great. And so after that visit, and we went to, did we go see Corey then? I don't know. We saw some other people. Yeah. But, but David, sorry, David let was the man. He We just said, oh, what a cool guy. And what a cool, this is the, oh, let's do this. He, was, was, he yeah. was also very
2: encouraging. He said, we need, we need, we need, people like you to come and sort of join this experiment because we need to, the more people growing grapes, the, the faster we'll learn uh, how to do it. So we were pretty pumped up and we went back to California and and all the rest of the coursework for the viticulture uh, major was, was based on Big California agriculture, farming ten thousand acres, driving giant tractors, spraying irrigation. We didn't even want to irrigate, <laughs> so um, and we don't. <laughs> and we don't. You've heard so, of the deep roots coalition. So so we that's, um, that's So we just threw everything back in the U-Haul, came back north, and then
1: and then that, that and was started just- looking for a. a Property. In. So that was a summer, that was sort of June of 75. And we stayed with some friends in Portland, and then we maybe too long. And then, and then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well, it worked definitely just, too long. And then by the, but later on in the summer, we found a place out in Newburgh. <laughs> and, and, um, but there was, oh, I don't know, we, we, this guy had some filberts, so, so we were working with his filberts. But, but we definitely, we're, we, I know we picked grapes with David in '75, and I mean, so we we were definitely eager beaver pickers with for in '75, the year of the famous '75 South Block mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that put Oregon on the map. And so I remember going in. <laughs> they picked into these bins. No, we picked into these boxes, wooden boxes horrible wooden boxes with nails that you catch your finger and old we, apple boxes and then we dumped them into dumped them into on his he had this great old 49 Chevy flatbed truck called Majode and and, and 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 David and, and and we hauled all these we loaded these things by hand into the Majode and went down and 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 uh, I don't know what kind of equipment he had but it ended up in these in these tote bins that were we're fermenting in, in these open-top plastic line fermenters. And I remember we, it was a big secret, don't tell anybody, so I'm not. But we all rolled up our pants and got in, and, and, with, and tread the great, tre. and Jason, Jason was like this big, and he, his underpants, you know. He got, it was the best. And so, and then, and then actually, to get ahead of this, ourselves, a couple of years later that that wine won the you know beat out uh, the 59 Chambal Musigny and all that in the that tasting Stephen Spurrier tasting that da, da, da. and he gave he gave us a couple of bottles he gave us a couple of bottles of that for, because we and so that was that was pretty neat and we saved it for we, those were sitting in the for a long time but we drank both of them in they were it was of course it was really good so so back to us in 75 <laughs> And I helped David prune in the spring of 76. And, and while I was pruning, I bought from him 4,000 cuttings, from his, I don't remember which rose it was, but, you know, some Badensville Pinot Noir, and some, and some uh, Chardonnay from uh, the, the, the Draper clone. So we took we took those clone we took those cluster, those bundles of of grapes and stored them in sawdust and then planted them next door at Rich and Catherine Hellstrom's place because we we were friends with them and we so we nurseried. this is our our little vineyard right there right next to the diary uh-huh. and and um, and but we still <laughs> didn't have a piece of land to, where we were going to find the famous land right but we didn't have but the clock of, was ticking and so and so. Um, it seemed like forever, um, and, but, well, so, we, so we moved from the little place in Newburg uh, hmm.
2: to Canute—to the cabinet at where Erath was staying. Many people lived in Canuteson's
1: cabin. We were some of those people. Actually, I have—this is, this is one of the stories I like to tell. Okay, okay. you tell it. Uh, <laughs> um, so at, at some point, I was, I, was, I was at Oregon Episcopal School That's the gardener. I wasn't working in the vineyards at all. We were living in this rented house in a filbert orchard. And the guy that, that owned the, the filberts was getting divorced and he needed a, a, an au pair to live in our house. So A, not working in the grapes. B, we're losing our house. It wasn't great. We didn't care, but... Now, what are we gonna do? And, and, um, and see, we weren't finding a piece of property anywhere. It just wasn't happening. So I drove my Land Rover back from Portland one day and feeling, you know, long, ugh, and feeling just, this is not going well. This is not what I wanna be doing. I wanna live in Walla Walla again and work on my wheat ranch, and this is, this is just not okay. And Julia comes out and she says, oh I got a call from Dick Erath. Thank you, Dick. He says, oh, Bill can come and work for me. I, 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 got a, I got a position he can come. And you're looking for a place to live. You can live in Cal Knudsen's cabin up at the top of the vineyard. <laughs> that's nobody's living there. I've talked to him, it's fine. He's not going there. And oh, and see, there's, there's 150 acres over the hill from just this land that, that's for sale all in one day it all came together it was just <laughs> the best and so um we ended up buying 55 out of the 100. frank goretta had bought 50 acres on the other end and um and then uh we, we so by by the following march we had place to plant those cuttings that, that were sitting there at Rish Elstrom's house. And, and so we dug them up and put them in the shade in some cedar toe by the by the cabin up at Knudsen's. And then we came over here and-, and Oh, we didn't have a tractor, so we- My good friend Dick Sadler brought his rotavator up and rotavated it out. Uh, it was, it was just, the land had been, was in wheat, was oats and vetch. It was in oats and vetch. And so it was basically our, the cover crop for, for planting the vineyard. So, so we, we dug up, we r- rototilled four acres and, and planted our cuttings. And this, so this is in like March, April of 77. And, and then, um, but we're still living at, over at Knudsen's. And then at some point Dick said, did Keena tell you? No. Oh, you have to be out by the end of August. Because Cal wants it, or I don't know, it was just, and, we, and, and it was like two weeks away. And, and, and um, our friend Dick, who's a lawyer, said, you know what, are you paying by the month? Because if you are, they have to give you 30 days from, from so sorry, sorry, Cal, you must know the law. Um, they have another, they basically have six weeks to get out, not two. So in that six weeks, we went into gear, and we discovered we got a well digger to come and and drill a well. Or, or he did, yeah. He the well he dug a well, and it somehow had, it was the best thing I remember was that we hit water on seven seven 77 like July 7th, 1977, lucky day, we hit water. And then, so we, we got a while, but we don't have any electricity and we, and we don't have a road, but road, we got a guy to put a road in. We got power, the PGE came and put the, put the power in. We bought a trailer down by Linfield, right across from, from Linfield. Um, was there, it called Walnut Acres or something? Uh, there's a trailer, there was a trailer park. For 1400 bucks, we bought this <laughs> rotten old 1952 trailer. It was so- so it was, it was
2: kind of romantic. So,
1: so by, the, by the end of seven, of September of 77, we had water, power, mm-hmm. a place to live, and four acres of grapes. It was the, We were so happy. And we lived in that trailer for a year and a half. And then we started working on the house. And then we expanded the vineyard every couple. The and next,
2: actually, actually, our first child was born. We were supposed to be in the house, but of course we weren't. Mm-hmm. We were
1: still in the trailer, so, so now we're here, which and, is fine. And then let's see what the next thing that comes to mind is. Uh, so we built the house with our friend Mark Doshe, and and about that time, that was yeah, in seventy eight. About seventy eight, um, it was seventy. I think it was seventy eight. Um, Halloween. There was a party at in McMinnville. For our friend was working at SoCal Blosser, Dave. Yeah, Dave. And, and so we went to this Halloween party at, at 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 Dave's place, Dave and Mary's place, and there was this guy. This guy that, that was at the party, and he was really talkative, and he, he you know, I was at first. <laughs> I it was just it's too much, but then I realized this guy's really good. He's really smart. He, it was a lot of stuff. It's John Paul. That's 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 when we met John Paul, because he was up living in Canute's cabin with his dog, <laughs> Carmel, and and um, he he was he's always been a really good runner, and so he would run over here with Carmel because he we were doing this great project. He liked it, and we became fast friends, and so he so he'd been working. He was. He's told the story. You have to listen to the John Paul. He'll tell you all about how he was, how he ended up in Oregon. <laughs> I won't <laughs> need to tell the story again. But um, we stayed friends with him. And then uh, I was selling, for a number of years, I sold grapes to David Lett and to Adelsheim. And then, and then as that other field came on, um, John said, Let, you want to be partners in a winery? I'm going to start a winery in Oregon now. And He moved back in, 70, in 80, 1983, '84, '83, and um, we decided to start a winery. I mean, he decided a winery, and, and we decided that we'd be partners with him by virtue of giving our grapes to him for a couple of years. Or whatever. And so um, so we ended up <laughs> so we ended up being partners with Cameron, and then eventually all the grapes started going to Cameron. Um, So it's and then actually 84, that was that was for up till now, that was the worst vineyard year ever in Oregon. We we had really late bloom. (laughs) That that was the first vintage Um, at Cameron. (laughs) We had bloom after the Fourth of July. It was like the 10th. It was really late bloom. Really cold spring. And then we we set picking grapes on Halloween. And and then we then we set the biggest crop four four and a half four tons per acre, just huge set in nineteen eighty four. We set um, a lot of fruit, and we had a beautiful summer. It set some record for a number of beautiful days um, without rain. It was I don't it was really a lot until until it stopped. And When it stopped, it rained every day for three weeks and it went to 50 degrees. And it, was, it was September 15th, I don't know when it was. It was, it, it's just, we had grapes out there that were <laughs> that were at 17 bricks, 18 bricks. Everything was looking great, four tons per acre. We didn't know enough to, t- to drop half of that crop. And, and so, uh, so we ended up, but I was, David Lett was buying most of the grapes then, but John was, that was Cameron's first vintage. And so um, we, we, uh, we picked 18 bricks. I mean, Irie's a better, lower site than us and they didn't have much better. They had maybe half a brick bricks better than we did. And so great first year for Cameron, huh? And so, so, but John actually showed what a great winemaker he was because he made a very presentable, every, a lot of people said, we're not making red wine. And John's going, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make red wine. I came here to make red wine. I'm gonna make red wine. I'm damned if I'm not gonna make red wine. And so, he he bought a little sugar and, and we, and he made a, a very presentable 84 that lasted a really long time. So good for John. And then 85 the, the next year was a perfect year. So we were everybody was off and running with 85. Right.
2: And that that first wine, we sold for nine ninety nine, Really?
1: That seems like a lot.
2: And it was called, oh, and, and the little, the little uh, quote on the label said, thistle be good wine.
1: <laughs> Cause, because, cause our, the because the camera, because, the camera label has thistles. On it. <laughs> <sighs> so, um, I don't know. So, so now we're, then we just kept, Filling out the vineyards, we've got 20 acres. Um, John's buying the fruit. Um, Adelsheim was buying it for a while. Then uh, Westry. Then um, Jay Summers, Jay Christopher. Now we're down to just Jay Christopher and Cameron. And uh, now the vines are this big around, and and there's and we've got phyloxra in a couple of little spots, but since we mow, um, it doesn't spread. If you cultivate, it spreads. And so we mow and and it's got it's it's got it's it's got the vigor down a little bit. Um, and I th- I think it's the way to go. Just just mow and and this year the, the we had the perfect amount of rain so that there's no there's no drought situation. I think, I hope, oh, the, the vines are just perfect. We hedged them, everything looks good. So got our fingers crossed for this year.
0: <laughs> when you originally started planting the vineyard, how how much did you know about how to plant a vineyard and how much did you still have to learn?
2: <laughs> well, you know, Bill, we knew how you were supposed to plant a vineyard. But the thing that we learned that first year when we planted our first four acres is we invited all of our friends from Portland to come and help. And they had all, everyone said, oh, you're planting a vineyard? I really want to help. And so lots of people came. I made lasagna. Um, and we had, a, we had this terrible rented auger because some, some of the land here is really rocky, especially the steep land down, down there. And, and, um, but we were drilling holes with the auger, and which, which was a two-man auger. Um, <laughs> Hitting rocks. All right, so I think, I think we drilled some holes ahead of time. We did a demo, we demonstrated how I think the one problem was that the holes were too big. If we'd made if we'd had a, if we'd been able to get our hands on an auger that was about this big around, it would have been better, but this was a 1 foot big hole. So, you know, we 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 showed people how to put the put the cutting in up to the correct point and then fill in. And everything seemed to be working smoothly. And then at the end of the day, we went out and realized that more than half of the grapes had been planted wrong, so we had to replant. But we learned that we weren't very good at giving directions or um,
1: monitoring work. (laughs) Basically, to answer your question, it was lear- university of hard knocks you just every step of the way oh, we, we went along and this <laughs> cuz what i'd learned at davis kind of sort of applies here but basically the only way the only way to do it to, to do it right is to do it and learn and say oh that didn't work did it and I remember we i remember there was <laughs> they used to have this thing called grape day which was um, at the Tigered grange I'm sure people have mentioned that, and 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 you'd go there, and they were whoever was organizing it, all those same people: you know, Corey, Let, uh, Erath, Bill Fuller. I mean, all those early guys put together a program for the eager beavers like me. Um, oh, I remember one thing: Chuck Corey, you know, interesting guy. And but I remember him saying. Something that I keep, I tell people to this day, if, if you, he said, the, those old guys that were planting cherries and prunes and f- that, that kind of fruit, they knew the right soil to plant the to plant. You didn't plant cherry trees down on the valley floor on the, on the, in the silt by the river. Doesn't make good cherries. You plant cherries in this, in this shallow soil up, in the, in the well-drained up high. And that's where you're gonna get, you're gonna get the best fruit for the for cherries. Or and it's so right. You know. This this place used to grow the best um, Italian prune plums. Just so flavorful. You can't there's just there are the odd trees still over there. It's 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 like no no plum prune you've ever eaten. It's so tasty. <laughs> so peop, so Corey would gave good advice like that. People would say, what kind of trellis are we supposed to use? Bean poles, they, you could get for five cents each, you could get used bean poles. So they lasted for about three years, and then they rotted off, bad idea. <laughs> and then you had to go get something else and redo it. <laughs> no, nobody knew anything about catch wires. I mean, we, we all kind of learned that that was the cool part about the old days. People would get together and say, what works for you? I've got a problem. And, and oh, that's a good idea. That's how we learned how to do it. Talking to all the, the, the early people were really free sharing their information about what worked and what didn't work. That, that was, that was, in, you know, that was in the 70s and 80s. Um, and I think by by the end of the 80s, by the time Drew Ann showed up, I think people had figured it out pretty yeah. much how to, how to, in 89, um, had, or 88 or whatever it was, um, had... Figured out how to, more or less, you know. A, Pinot Noir is a good grape. We were when we came here, people were planting Merlot, Sauvignon Blanc. I mean, stuff that, that Miller Turkow, Riesling. There's a lot of Riesling, and 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 Riesling I think makes really good wine here, but you can't sell it apparently. One of these days, Riesling's good, but but right now, Pinot Noir is king, and 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 uh, yeah. So so yeah, to answer your question, it was it was just a matter of the learn, just hard knocks learning. I guess that didn't work. Have to try next year. Right, we had some surprises like one day after
2: we had we had um, measured and marked the places where oh. we were going to plant our first grapes, <laughs> and we were in the trailer and and we had a newborn, and I'd gotten up to nurse, and it was foggy. And I was peering out the window at the end of the trailer looking into the vineyard and there it looked like there were these dark forms and they were big. And I thought, what what is that? Are those horses down there? Are they cows? They were bigger than deer. And the fog lifted a little bit and it was elk. And there were all these elk down there. It turned out that elk were attracted to our um, little steaks that we'd made. We had, in order to see them, we'd whitewash them, and the whitewash recipe includes salt. And boy, the elk really liked the salt. Candy. And so they'd turn all of those, they'd pull them up and chew on them. <laughs> so all those little steaks looked like toothbrushes, you know, after they left. But elk will walk, there was an old fence along the property line. And they would just walk through it, just push it over. Um, And those first years, we saw one day, my sister and a friend of hers were doing a, a work study. And I think most of the work study was spent in the Bay Area, larking around. But they did come up here and work for a week. And we were planting grapes at the top of that field. And we looked over, and there were maybe 25 elk in the place where we now have grapes planted. But at the time, our neighbor was farming um, some seed crop. It was amazing. I mean, it was great to see them, um, but they did a lot of damage. (laughs) And then deer. I mean, we fought deer for years. And the, the first thing we did was put up an electric fence because it was economical and fast. But the deer got used to it really fast. It didn't
1: really- Not happen. really fast. I'd say it worked well, for four or five years. They, yeah, that's true. It's, but then you'd see the the, the, the the mother, which had grown up with the electric fence, just walking right through it saying, come on guys. <laughs> and so, so it became, you, you, get, you got a whole generation of, of deer that were used to electric fences, so forget it. They don't, it doesn't work. So that well, the, probably the best, other than buying this property, the best thing was putting up a woven wire fence. If you want to have, I can't, you could, we were in the midst of 1200 acres of woods in, in the Trappist Abbey right there. And, and you're not gonna, you have to have a fence, period. I see these vineyards. I mean, even Cameron over there, out in the middle of nowhere, they have terrible deer damage. Hmm. Hmm. That's why they have their clo electric. Why is it called clo electric? Because it's an electric fence. <laughs> That's true.
0: When you when you were looking at this place and starting out the project, did you have any desire to make your own wine?
1: No, no. No, I, I mean, and a lot of people, especially French people go, but you're only taking it halfway. Come on. You do all the hard stuff and, and and you're just, I don't know. I. It's because, honestly, it's because I didn't want to deal with retail sales. I didn't want any, I just wanted to be a farmer. I just wanted to. You know, it's, I'm, it means I'm stupid because uh, farmers are idiots. They, they, you know, the world's really lucky that there are people who are stupid. They're like, I mean, I, I have a friend that's or something. I have a friend that that grows cherries out in in Mosier, and I see I see mm-hmm. they're really good cherries. They're the best in the world. They sell them to the co-op. They sell them. They sell them. Some of them get flown to Japan for twelve dollars a pound. You know. They're the best, but but the farmers just, just say, oh, you're not gonna pay us until a year from next Thursday? Okay, <laughs> it's just, farmers are just not businessmen. I mean, in a way, mm-hmm. they are, but it's, it's I don't know, it's pretty bizarre to think why anybody would only take it halfway there. And because you put it in a bottle, and you can, A, you don't, it's, it's It's got all kinds of shelf life where you got, you know, 50 tons of grapes, they they have to be dealt with today. (laughs) And, 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 you know, you got, you got 20 million tons of cherries, they have, they won't be any good in in 10 days at all. So you have, so the guy that's not, that's buying them sort of says, oh, well, I found some, a little problem here and we're only going to give you instead of, and, and 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 you, you have no leverage. <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, maybe the next generation coming along will uh, re- rectify that.
2: With cherries. <laughs> no, with, with our
1: wine here.
2: Oh. oh, you mean our next generation. Our next generation. Yeah, we have one. A couple of our kids are interested in continuing the saga. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: You mentioned meeting some of the original folks out here. Tell me about some of the, the kind of the early, the early decisions or the early organizations that were being formed. What were the biggest challenges that the, that the founders of the industry and the people who were in the industry at that time saw? And what were some of the solutions that, that you saw
1: (sighs) kind of coming down the line? Big question. Um, I don't, you have any ideas well I, I
2: I mean in terms of selling wine I can well, think of a lot of things but just because marketing was was a lot of people were learning how to market wine and California was the king mm-hmm. and people didn't even a lot of people don't even know where Oregon is I mean our son went to college uh, not that long ago and he went in upstate New York, and when he told people he was from Oregon, he would see their eyes kind of glaze over, <laughs> and they'd sort of drift away. They couldn't place it anywhere on their mental map. I don't. I really don't think. I don't think that's. I think Oregon wine now has a reputation, um, but. But it didn't initially, and so there was a, a push to get wine out into the greater marketplace.
1: You know, no I, thanks to people like us, but, but people like Adelsheim and Erath and all those guys, they they would spend. In fact, they would spend all their time doing marketing in, in Dubuque and in Cincinnati and, you know, and like that. that. That I remember talking to Nick mm-hmm. Erath one time. About he said, I got into this business to make wine and, and I, I spend all my time on an airplane in Dubuque mm-hmm. you know, waiting for the, the transfer to so-and-so. It's just, cause, but it was up to those guys. It wasn't, I, I suppose at this point people have their own marketing directors and all this stuff, but back then Dick had to, people like Dick and Adelsheim let, had to leave the work behind, but they were out doing the mar- the Telling people in New York that actually try this wine, it's pretty good. I mean, so I mean, just like it's it's been really interesting to see, you know, how an industry that was not even there in the in the in the sixties, six, for sure, developed kind of by spurts in the seventies, but to now, we've got our wine. Oh, everybody knows about Oregon. It's pretty. It's it's all because people like those pioneer guys, yeah. got out and did it. It's, 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 it's pretty neat. I, look, I get you know, all sentimental, you look at a hillside like this that was growing nothing, you know? And, and you know, in the 60s, because the, the prune trees all blew over in the Columbus Day storm, nobody, there was nothing to grow here, until, until, until another one thing I wanna say, thank you guys, is there was a lot of talk in, in the 70s about land use planning. And what? What's? Oh yeah. And so what? What was the? What was supposed to happen on all this, totally non-productive soil? Oh, houses. You can make some view property here. This all the Dundee Hills should be right because the soil is poor. You can't grow anything at all. And and guys like Erath and Let went up to the in the in the legislature said, No, wait a second. You're wrong. You can you can grow world-class wine on this soil. And I'm I'm sure all the people. Kind of snickering, you know. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, sure. But look, were they ever right or what? Well, and
2: thousand friends of Oregon
1: is thanks, Henry
2: Richmond is a big um,
1: friend of so the culture. I, I think that was that was huge. It was land use planning, protecting this land from from houses. But but I look. I was going to say, you know, I'll, I'll be in somewhere in New York or. or Anywhere, you know, and somebody bring out a bottle of Abbey Ridge Pinot Noir. I go, wow, that came, that, that came from my vines. And it's here, here we are in Brooklyn drinking this wine. That's pretty cool, really cool. I remember oh, we went to a, um, Julia's dad knew all these guys in the Bay Area uh, that were involved in um, the wine, the head vineyards in Napa and, and, and um, uh, a guy named Rod Strong, that's a pretty, you know, Rod, Rod Strong, um, was a friend of his. And, and he said, I said, you're, he said, are you gonna have a winery? I said, no, I don't think so. I think we'll just have a, he said, we'll have a vineyard. And he said, nah, you're gonna to wanna to have a winery because you're gonna grow the best grapes in the world. And you don't want your grapes to be thrown in with everybody else's, which is what happens when you sell filberts or wheat or anything else, right? Um, fortunately, John came along and saw all of our wine is carefully shepherded through Cameron and says the Abbey Ridge on it and stuff. But, um, you know, it's pretty neat to to have your little work all separated and, and get that you have your own winery.
0: <laughs> You've talked already about a couple of the sort of momentous moments for Oregon wine. You mentioned David Let the 75 South Block. You mentioned the Druins coming. What were some of the other sort of milestone moments that you've seen, or what were some times when it felt like Oregon took a a step forward uh, in the wine industry?
1: Yeah, when Robert Truant showed up, that was huge. Um, uh, Good question, I don't know, help me out. Well,
0: well, tell me about that then, tell me about the the Druants coming to
1: town. I remember, I'll tell you one thing I remember, is we really wanted to buy, David Lett said, there's there's some land right up here. You need to buy. What was her name, Mrs. And it was 40 acres. Bollinger. Yeah, Mrs. Bollinger. You need to buy Mrs. Bollinger. That's before we found this place. Hi, hi, Mrs. Bollinger. We want to buy your land. <laughs> it's not for sale. You know, and and and, dang. You know, we. Guess who bought Mrs. Bollinger's land. DDO of course many a years a couple, couple of years yeah it was, it was yeah that was 70, 76 to 87 I don't know it was, it was, about was 10, 10 years, 10 years 10 later 10 years later and she probably paid a whole lot more than we were going to be able to pay from Duran but um, you know it was yeah that was a big deal I mean it's really funny to because to, there were some years there when we'd had some highs but I'd say in the in the nineties or something. It, 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 we'd seen things going, going up. It felt like I wasn't so sure at some point. We, we kind of plateaued along there for a while. It just felt like the industry was, was okay. But I, I kept, I remember thinking, why isn't this, why isn't this getting bigger like it is now? I mean, now it's just, snowballing and you know and and if you want to know my opinion i'm sort of sorry about all that but there's no, you know that's there's no stopping it it's probably it's a lot better than having failed that's for sure um but it's it's really it's so different i mean to, to us the, the, it's 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 so different i think this is an important point you know in those those days there were people like us and all those people we talk about that were they were just sticking their necks out they, they did. There was no. We just wanted to know if you could grow grapes like this and good grapes in in Oregon, and that's all we wanted to do. We wanted to, we wanted to make wine like seventy five South Block that was as good as any Pinot Noir in the world. Mm-hmm. That's all. And and I I've we've talked to D- Diana about this, Diana Lett, you know about how. Did, what would David think about? What what thing how how it's gone you know what what have I wrought you know uh, you know my success my idea really worked didn't it Did, were we planning on on hotels in the Dundee Hill I mean was it was this part of it was this I, I don't know if David ever in his wildest dreams imagined he just wanted to make good Pinot Noir and and he he said he just wanted to make good Chardonnay. Remember that line in, in uh, why, why don't you learn how to make a good Chardonnay? What was that, what was that movie called? Um, um, oh, pa- what? Pay Dirt, oh. Penny Allen, Pay Dirt. <laughs> and David was in that film and, and he he, he's, he was supposed to, he was drove up in the in the car and he made some comment to, I think it was to Ira I said, why don't you just learn how to make a good Chardonnay? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so so we made a good Chardonnay, but but man, all the ancillary stuff that goes along the tasting rooms, the the fifty thousand square foot winery going in, you know, whoa! I mean, is that is that? I don't know. There's there's no stopping it when people with money and people have an idea want to get in it. It's just I don't know where it's going to go. Right,
2: and there's there's a romance to the idea of of a vineyard, you know. It's an experience. It, you know, we live in this beautiful place and, and we're, we're fortunate that we're able to be a small entity. So far. And that's, well, and that's, and that's because of
1: our partnership with John, I think, because. Yeah, actually right here. It's no different than it was 25 years ago. It doesn't feel, you know, you hear more vehicles go by on the road, but it's pretty much, uh,
2: it it hasn't changed. Sometimes we can hear parties happening at
1: um, a winery down there. Oh, and the the other thing that I find interesting, just for the record, in the last, Couple years, we used to have these helicopters flying over all the tourist helicopters flying over all the time, landing right near down there, and and taking off, and that was really not okay, and, and we all we had this big this big coalition of anti-helicopter people. We'd go down and we'd talk to the county commissioners, and they'd dutifully listen and stuff, but. And how does it feel when you're there tasting wine to have a helicopter land? Bop, 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 bop. Anyway, thankfully that's gone. We've some, I don't know how or why. Maybe you do, but it's it, those guys. That white helicopter is not flying anymore. I hope you're not jinxing it. I don't. <laughs> no, it's just I'm saying what I think, and, and I don't care what anybody else thinks about that. I mean, but it's just it's great. I mean, what I'm saying is that good development will probably prevail.
0: <laughs> you, you, Julia, you mentioned the kind of the romantic notion of, of a vineyard. I'm mm-hmm. curious, uh, as as the vineyard was growing here, tell me about the unromantic side of it. Tell me about main, growing and maintaining a vineyard like that, and, and the, the kind the kind of work and the kind of effort you had to put in.
2: <laughs> oh well, where do we start? Well, <laughs> so well there, you know, because we were. Complete novices we made some of the wrong decisions initially, like we bought the wrong kind of tractor. Um, we bought a crawler tractor, and we didn't and and that was because Bill had had a lot of experience farming in walla Walla using that kind of a machine, but we needed a vehicle with a pTO so we could run a mower and other gizmos, sprayer, um, and here we were stuck with this crawler tractor that would, that was difficult to start because it was old, um, and I just remember Bill getting so mad at the thing,
0: <laughs>
1: yelling and screaming. <laughs> the list is too long of, of disasters. To the deer. The, oh yeah, you you do all this handwork, and, and you're too cheap or stupid to, to put up a fence. You do all the handwork, the deer come and just eat it back down. You know that. There were some some things that we did that were bought the right equipment or did figured out how to do it, but when well, we got better at sussing it out, um, just, like I said earlier, you just
2: yeah. You learn hard knots. You know, there were more people who were sort of, who came into the industry when we did. And we were all at the same place, mm-hmm. so.
0: How long did it take you to feel like you had it figured out? To feel like you were doing a good job as vineyard owners?
1: I I think by 82, so we started in 70, I think by the, by the time, we sold our first grapes to Irie in '82, and and they were good grapes, no no apologies. I think we I think by there were a couple of slow lost a year or so, but but by '82 I think we were we were doing a pretty good job, and, and we had a good reputation. That David was in Adelsheim in '83. I mean we 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 made some good wine right from the start, so I think I think there there were I mean yeah there's all sorts of things, but but I think by the time 82, 83 came along. We were kind of on top of it, growing, growing a good amount of fruit. fruit you know, that took a while, but not that long. It wasn't that hopeless. Um, and then then I got my wonderful hedger in 84, and that really saved. We, we used to hedge it by hand, you know. John Thomas came, we're good friends with John Thomas, and he came in. I remember with John and I out there. Cutting with these, we didn't even have machetes. We had these stupid. <sighs> but then all of a sudden, I bought this machine from Germany. Nobody else had a hedger uh, that goes on the tractor. <sighs> nice. So I don't know. I think by the by the the early 80s, we were we were we were, no apologies, because we were selling some great grapes that were making some really nice wines. I mean, the 83 Adelsheim. Was, that was a, 83. Was a super year, <clears throat> but that was a really good wine, and it aged. It let, I think one thing about Abbey Ridge, it's the acidity here is pretty high. The, the wines age really well, thanks to the land. It's just we were lucky to stumble on it because I didn't know. I mean, we wanted kind of had a ballpark, but basically bought what came for sale, and we lucked into a good piece of property. Um, those
2: years. Bill did, Bill did all the work. Um, at Harvest, sometime in the 80s, Harvest crews would come before Harvest to try to—and f- so we did hire some of those crews, but— um, It was about 83 those guys showed up. Right. But, but really, builded. You know, he did all the pruning, he did. We, we planted the vineyard and we had uh, some helpers, um, but no hired helpers. Read college students. Friend, <laughs> friends, friends, some, some kids from- <laughs>
0: Imagine that.
2: Some kids from, uh, from uh, Denmark who showed up-
1: oh, yeah, that was good. On
2: our doorstep and stayed for six weeks. And so we, we put them to work. They were
1: happy to do that. Brian and Kim, they both named Nielsen. They weren't related, but those they were 19 and they had all the energy in the world. It was it great. Was they, they planted the whole quarry Pinot Noir and the, the, the you know six acres of grapes. Dug them up out of the nursery, planted them. It was great. <laughs> Broke a that, shovel. That, that's right. but that's how I don't know what we weren't thinking. That's another example. They had no idea of what what the what the labor situation was going to be you know we had how we couldn't have made it you know it's one of those guys from mexico came up with their crews who really knew how to work put us gringos to shame and just and just couldn't done it without him. it's true including chewy down here who's does it all he's right. been here 20 since oh, since 88 20 he's been here 30. He's been here since nineteen eighty eight just called up and says you need some work need he knew that the Navarro's gang that had worked here was now going to go work. they worked at Elk Cove and they were t- they they didn't couldn't spare him. he knew that his friends of theirs so anyway it's been a good time you got you gotta give it to him
0: you brought up phylloxera earlier, obviously an issue tell me about uh the the, that outbreak not just not just here but just kind of in general around here what what was what was it like as phylloxera made its way to oregon and what was the reaction and sort of the action by on your head
2: oh gosh i remember watching alan holstein alan holstein tearing out a huge a huge part of his vineyard you know we were we were we were really being careful we were we were You know, washing our boots. We were not taking our tractor anywhere else. We made it a long
1: time without phylloxera. It was kind of inevitable. My my answer to that is about the time phylloxera started taking out vineyards, I don't know. I'm not Luddite. I I mean, before phylloxera came along, we were this. The whole area was planted pretty much with Vanzeville Pinot Noir, Pomard Pinot Noir, stuff that Corey smuggled in from from France i mean there, there were there were he 's gone um, there were there were all but it was all own rooted clones from u c Davis pretty much except for this stuff that came in suitcases um, uh, <laughs> but when Falockshire came along. Okay, things change because different rootstocks. I mean, rootstocks. That's how you All fix it. All of a it. sudden, we needed to start talking about rootstocks. And then Dijon clones. And, if, uh, and I really, I'm sorry, I'm such a fan of the old, the old clones. I mean, I fe- I feel as though we are really hanging on there to the old, old world because we've got own-rooted Pomar and Vadensville and Cory, and and no rootstocks and no Dijon clones. John Paul just hates the Dijon clones. And and I, I just think, I mean, I know a lot of people are gonna say, oh, come on, this, you're trying to say this? Anyway, I just think, I think that we're, that's what, what really changed was was the clonal material um, that's out there. And there's no law that says you can't, you can plant anything you want, right? But I, but I, I and where you want, don't get me going on. There's no law. You can plant. You can plant grapes anywhere you want, down on the flat, and and sell it as Oregon Pinot Noir. He doesn't say it's in the AVA of Dundee Hills or Shalem Mountain, but you can sell it. There's no law in France. Well, I don't know. I guess you can grow it. I don't know what the French rules are, but but it's pretty tight. They they tell you when you can harvest, when you can, where you can plant, what clones you can plant. Da 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 da. And we're just, we're just, I worry a little, what you're, you, know, that point, and you know, what happened after Phylloxera is, I don't know, we're making some, there's a lot of nice wine out there, but. Oh yeah. But the old clones, I think it's a sad thing that's, they've kind of gone away. There, I don't know how many, how many acres of own-rooted vines, there can't be that many. Not many. So, you know, we've, we're about a, half an acre maybe dead down. <laughs> It's not, I mean you can look across the pretty much the whole thing and this whole area that except for one little part up there by where you drive in, that it's all it's all unrooted, all the Chardonnay, all the almost all the, the quarry is unaffected. Um, over here, all of Aidensville, all the Draper, all the uh, Pomard, uh, Pomard, there's no phylloxera. And and you know it's really important to me to to. to to just mow it, and I, I'm big on mowing anymore. I think, I think cultivating is, is rough on, uh, I think it's just better to have things growing in the ground than, than cultivation. When you, when you have a new vineyard, you have to cultivate. But as soon as you can, I think a cover crop is the way to go for a whole bunch of reasons.
2: Right, it, it's, it's pretty astonishing the way <laughs> grapes
1: find water. If you've got the right soil. Right. Down deep, right. broken soil. Right.
0: So we talked a lot about the challenges of, of vineyard ownership and, and, and that. Tell me about the the, the rewards. What, what have you found most rewarding about about this work?
2: Well, being able to live here.
1: That's huge. And but, working with great people. Oh, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a wonderful community of people that, that we know. It's, I mean, it's just, but there's some really fun... Some create. I mean, you have to be, especially in the early days. You had to be kind of half creative or something. You know, whatever you want to call it. But um, or crazy, or crazy. <laughs> I didn't want to say crazy. You just had to be a free, a free, a free-thinking <laughs> soul to, to to do this. So so there's some really fun people that that we know that just world-class fun, creative people. That that's the best. I mean, like John and Amy. <laughs> Right. And, oh, that's right. where we made Rich. You know, it's just, it's just. There's some great people. That's the fun part. Um, and it, it, it's everybody likes. It's, it's magic. It's, I remember going on a bike ride one time out in Montana. I was talking, we stopped in Garden, Gardnerville, and there was a brewery there. And the guy was describing how you, how you make beer. To all the eager bike riders, you know. Oh, you have to have special water and you add this and the hops, you know, and you add the flavor, you know, and you make this. And I was just thinking, wow, all we do is is nothing. We, we plant, you plant grapes and it, the grapevine does it all. <laughs> it does, it, it gives, it, it does the mix, it does the, the flavor, it does the alcohol, it does, the, it even does the yeast. We, you know, you just, you grow the right grapes on the right land. And and I'm, this is this is this is the gold part. You grow the right grapes on the right land. It's it's magic. It's just, it just happens. It's a wonderful beverage. In, and and you didn't really do much. You didn't have to. You didn't. You didn't. All you did was plant the grapes, the right grapes in the right place. And well, you did a few. And other it all things. does itself. No, it, it does itself.
2: They need you. You can't just plant them and go away.
1: They need they need care I know. through the year. But it's it's pretty. That's 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 the cool part. Making something that's so simple, and people have been doing it for so many years. <laughs> yeah, uh, they figured out the right grapes for their right soil, and they and and you sit back and and every year. Oh, and the other thing that's sort of interesting is, you know, winemakers makers talk about how many harvests they have. You don't have that many, you know. You know, if you're gonna, if you get thirty-five years or something like that of, of making, that's a lot. Uh, you know, and it's, that's kind of, kind of, gets your attention. You don't, you know, you can make how many batches of beer can you make in your lifetime? You know, but you only get one go around every year, and, and some, some years are better than others. We, and we went to a great tasting um, at Cameron about a month ago of oh, okay. Magnums of Abbey Ridge, f- going back to 91. That was, and that was the... He'd done another... 93. 90, oh, 93. Yeah. He, he'd done another th- tasting at the Woodsman Tavern um, before that. <laughs> Pretty neat to taste every single 93, 94, four, five, six, seven, eight, every year from 93 to 2005 or something like that, and and same vineyard, same winemaker, same growers, just what a difference the years make. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Uh, you know, because you, I mean, basically, you do. I always think, like, we just do what Chewy and I do what we do out here. You know, take make these buds into a shape, and take care of, spray them, and pull the extra ones off, and just make this form. And now we've got this wonderful bunch of clusters all in the right place. And then you just sit back, and Mother Nature's in charge, and there's nothing you can do about it, good or bad. You just you just hope for good weather, or within, you know, and and. And there's nothing you can do about it very at this point there's very little you just you just let mother nature do her thing with your with your grapes <laughs> yeah you you get to pick when you get to decide when you pick but other than that it's just kind of you' just you're just in the hands of mother nature Right. It's interesting it's
2: interesting to think that when you're drinking wine from a certain year um Everything that happens on that land in that year during the, in the life cycle of the fruit
1: comes out in the bottle. Stored from 91, 93. I mean, that's the cool thing about wine. Wine just lasts for a long, a good wine, on good years, lasts a long time. Right, some were, actually they were all, they were all good some were really good yeah It was the 05 there were, were sort it's a, it's of a, it's a surprises to me how I didn't remember 2005 I think it was <gasps> just fresh just lovely <laughs> you know that's a long time ago mm-hmm. I mean, 93 90, 93 that, that's a long time ago in 94 it was fun those two people used to compare those years 93. Was one of the one of those late years when you just barely make it? And '94 was the next year was was a pretty good year. It just kind of fell into place. It didn't you didn't s- struggle to make that wine. And it was the '94s. Everybody said, "Oh, the '93s are so much. They're going to last a lot longer and better and stuff." This pretty young wine '94 was just great right from the start. And and it was pretty, I was always one of the 93 is better kind of guys, but now the 94, I mean, they were both great, but the 94 is still a great wine. I don't know if <laughs> you ever have it in your know, It's, 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 you know, it's just, it's, just fun. it's fun to create, it's fun to create stuff like this to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but, uh,
0: you mentioned earlier that one of the kind of the characteristics of a vineyard was sort of high acid age- ageability. Uh, what else do you think is sort of special about the space here? What do you what do you taste when you taste it? Uh, I,
1: don't, my, I don't know what what I, but there's an Abbey Ridge taste that that's there. I don't care if 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 Jay Christopher made it or if John Paul made it, or if Adelsheim made it, or if Lett made it. There's a taste in this that this this vineyard has that magic. Magic. <laughs>
2: What
0: are the biggest viticultural developments you've seen in Oregon? And what, what does the viticultural part of the industry look like now compared to back then?
1: Good question. Well, more mechanical stuff for sure. I mean, oh, but, but um, we, we've, we've learned, I think, I think we've learned a lot about what, what you can do, get away with and what, what, what's really important and what, what doesn't really matter? I mean, people used to use the most awful chemicals against all these dread diseases, mildew and, and botrytis and all this stuff. The horrible stuff that people sprayed on their graves because they didn't want to lose them. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do that. I think, I think one of the, the best things is we've, you can grow, basically they're organically grown, you know? There's, yeah. It, I mean it's I think it's it's interesting that this is totally in parentheses but where does the sulfur come from it's it comes from the byproduct of the gasoline you know and, and and there was there was a talk about so that the the, the tilth people were talking about well that's not okay you can't call this stuff organic if it's, you know where does the sulfur come from what you should use naturally available sulfur so but the, the, the naturally apparently the naturally uh, 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 available sulfur has arsenic in it right I don't know. <laughs> but but basically you can go we grow grapes with what's certified organic okay that's got to be and and that's that's a big improvement than from what we used to do um, you know and, and I think having a, a cover crop again I'm going to go on and on, on that I think Clean cultivating ground is a, is is a, is a rack. If you can get away, you should have a cover crop for for the land because all the little the little things in there that's that's important. Um, you know I don't know about mechanical. There can, there's I mean I know a guy out in the gorge that harvests by machine. You know that, I, I, I don't know about about who's going to do all the work. I, I think right right he has 150 acres of grapes. And they have one of those plank <sniffs> machines and and the and the wineries that buy they get fruit from him. They don't get fruit from him. They get juice from him. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want they don't have a sorting line. They don't have they just want to take that stuff that came from the tank and I don't know what they do with it. Sit, let it settle and but that's how they that's I hope that's not the the fut the mechanical I mean, the improvements in, in mechanisms, and the, I don't think that's good, but. I, th- I think they're always going to be small. I mean, well,
2: I hope that there will always be small operations that are, you know, basically done by hand. Because there will be a difference in, in, the, in the final product.
1: You know, there, there are new machines that probably are better than the old ones. Um, various things, but it really doesn't take. I, we're just we're just the old Luddites. We do it the old way, pretty much the way it was done in the in the in the 70s, you know, or before that. Um, it works, and I, I don't feel any. I mean, sometimes I think, are we ever going to mechanically harvest this stuff? No. Are we ever going to use machines to? To tie the shoots up, and, I don't know,
2: maybe. You know, just I guess, if you pay a huge amount of money for the big machine, you have to figure out how much acreage it's going to take mm-hmm. to farm to get a reasonable return.
0: You mentioned the Deep Roots Coalition earlier. Tell, tell me about the, the creation of that and, and your and your sort of part in it.
1: Well, it was John Paul's idea for sure, and just DRC. I mean, right from the start.
2: Well, and and, and, and well, there's there's also an obvious, an obvious uh, part of the story. There are places around here where it's very difficult to get water. I, we are fortunate; we have a we have a really good well, but just over the top of the hill. A lot of the folks on the other side have just a few gallons per minute, and they have to be really careful with it. But nobody's going to
1: irrigate out of 25 gallons, right? I mean, we could never, we've never ever irrigated. Oh, no, we, no. It doesn't matter if they have... Well, we never planned to irrigate. But but the idea of... I remember it all, nobody irrigated. I remember the guys at, at Argyle, some Australian guy said, oh, you got to irrigate. They come up with all these this numbers that show that, that you can get better everything for, by few You know, there's, they get so stressed. What irrigate in southern Oregon? It, it just depends on the soil. There's a lot of soil around here you have to irrigate, period. Sorry. You can't grow, like Tom out in the gorge. He can't. Oh, you yeah. Couldn't grow, you couldn't grow grapes there because there's only this much soil. You have to walk, and it's hot. So you have to I mean, irrigate He has it. the Columbia River, though. So. But, but we, have, we have the broken basalt. And so, and I, mean, I don't know all the different soils that you, I'm pretty sure you, there are a lot of soils out there that aren't deep enough to, to you have to irrigate, too bad. But if, you, if you're up on these, these jory soils on the, with the broken basalt below, you don't need to irrigate. And your wine's gonna be better for it. That's my feeling. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's each, each to his own. You know, the, 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 I suppose mm-hmm. the customer can taste the, maybe they can, Tell the difference um, for a whole bunch of reasons. I think you're going to get more essence of the place if you don't hear <laughs> your gate. It's, I, it's it's
2: uh. it seems to me that when when John uh, wanted to create the Deep Ro- Roots Coalition, it, it was it was it was sort of a badge of honor. Not to irrigate, and so putting that little emblem, which I designed, by the way, um, on a bottle, was a mark of, you know, good farming.
1: <laughs> I don't know where where the water's <laughs> going to come from. And you said, do we have to worry about pumping our aquifers dry? I don't
2: know. Right. There's maybe, a maybe no. a vineyard going up. Now across the road from us, and I think the story. What I've heard is that they're planning to make sparkling wine.
1: Well, they're not going to irrigate with anything. They, there's no water up there. They'll be lucky to have a. They have a well and a. They have a pressure tank. It looks like they're going to have a house up there. That's. They'll be lucky to do the house. They're not going to irrigate that. And, and and they don't need to. They'll be fine. You you, you We had weeds and it was horrible. And we we got our we got our vines up the stake the third year, fine, but the second year. But right, the, we
2: did go around watering each little plant the first couple of years, the first year. Mainly just keep the weeds out and you'll be fine. and, and that that was hard.
0: Well, I got just a couple of questions left, and I realized we kind of jumped into the story a little bit into it. So I want to back up before we finish this up. I want to back up and talk about the beginning for the two of you. So oh. how did the two of you meet?
1: Oh ha. You tell your story, I'll tell my story. <laughs> um,
2: We—let's see—we met at—I at, went to see a film, uh, The Wild Child, at Whitman, and my it- my date was a friend in my uh, ed class, and he had been a student previously and came back to get a, a teaching certificate. Mm-hmm. So so we went to this movie, and when we came out, he knew there was this whole gang of people that he knew, but I didn't know, and um, one of them was— Bill. And uh, I met him and a bunch of other people, but I didn't focus that much on him. And uh, what? Then the next time we met, um, I think it was oh uh, Joan Baez's husband um, David Harris David Harris was giving a lecture, so I went to that and oh. huh. and Bill was there and and I recognized him, but he looked odd, his face was sort of odd, and you know, I watched the lecture with my friends, and we went away later, I learned that he had been putting a roof on a barn, and there was a bunch of yellow jackets under the roof and has gotten terribly stung. And so his face was all distorted because of the swelling, but, you know, we didn't. But I did, I did recognize him. And then I think the time I really got to speak to you was, oh, my roommate. My roommate, um, I came home from the library and my roommate had these two cute dogs in our apartment. And I said, Anna, where did you get those dogs? And she said, oh, I'm, well, the dogs are staying here while, um, while their owner, Bill, is at a ceramics class or something hmm. at the old library. So, so Bill shows up and um, we invited him to dinner. And he said, oh, I, I have my dinner. So he sat down with us and he pulled out a tin of kippered snacks and this horny old carrot. And that was his dinner. <laughs> Anna and I had, you know, a dinner we really liked to cook. <laughs> we, we had a better dinner.
1: And I was living, I mean, I was living at that time, I was living in this, I mentioned it earlier, this really cool old shack out in this in the middle of these wheat fields, this beautiful place, beautiful setting, but a really primitive place. I didn't even have hot water, and, <laughs> and the dogs and I in the Land Rover. You know, it was it was pretty pretty primitive. I mean, this my my the reason I met Julie was because there was a guy that I knew of. I didn't even really know him. He had this really nice old Martin guitar. He had a had a, he had a OM twenty-eight and I was sort of I went to the movie with that guy. And I was sort of scamming because I wanted that I wanted to buy that guitar from the guy. That's how I, that's why I was there. I was scamming on this guitar. And I met this 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 woman that, that he gone to the movie with and I went, ooh. <laughs> her story's close enough. <laughs>
2: I missed an opportunity, though, because when, when I was a freshman one day, I was pretty studious in college. And uh, I was walking on the sidewalk, uh, <clears throat> and this vehicle went by. It was a Land Rover, and hanging out of the Land Rover was my roommate, Peg. And she said, hey! get in here. We're going to a party up in the mountains. and But, you know, I had papers to write, things to read, things to do. There was no way I was going to, I wasn't as free and easy as she was. And that ended up being this amazing party where the Berkeley Mime Troupe, San Francisco Mime Troupe, Oh, the San Francisco Mime Troupe,
1: was at that party. Tons of people were at that party. It was just crazy. It did, I didn't, I, I didn't have parties like that at my house. Hardly anybody ever came, but somebody, <laughs> all of a sudden, every, every, hey, everybody's going out to Bill's place. And so there's this, this, this is in the, like November of 69, and, and, and uh, it was great. <laughs> the wild, uh, san francisco mime troupe was a bunch of real whack jobs i'm so you know, sorry po- politically I that party. it was just like if you look up the san francisco mime troupe sometime there were these crazies from san francisco and they were doing some performance at Whitman and so and so they came out and we every single dish every single glass every single everything in my house was was dirty all over the place The next morning, it was just the biggest... That's what you expect. The next two days' cleanup from the San Francisco (laughs) Mime (laughs) Troupe. I don't remember even Peg Peg being there. No, I'm (laughs) sure you weren't. (laughs) Julia could have been. I remember her. My my favorite story... This has nothing to do with grapes. Nothing to do with grapes or anything, but how we met. So at Whitman College, does Linfield do this? They have a... We call it the lookbook, and in, and you can look and see who all the freshmen are, coming who coming into to the, the the when you when you're in high school they take you know you take a picture of high school, and you send it and it oh, says, your senior picture your senior picture and then and then it lists all the, the incoming freshmen, you know so here's Julia Stewart from, California and she's in this tree and and and, <laughs> so that was in the lookbook, um. The the spring. The spring, the, the, here's, but here's the crazy part. The spring before, like in the, sp- the spring of '68, right before the, she showed up, Jimmy Stewart, the actor, you know, the famous mm-hmm. everything, Jimmy Stewart had two daughters, and he came to Whitman because they were thinking of, they were her age, and so they were thinking about going to. to Whit- he was trying to figure out where they're going to go to college, so that Jimmy Stewart and his and his his family came out. So, so they must have been twins. I, think, I don't know, but but um, long story short is they didn't come to Whitman. They, they went somewhere else. But but when you look in the lookbook, and there's Julia Stewart from California, go, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart's daughter. And so and so she she's right. You know, I was living up in my little cabin in in the sh- shack in the hills. I already had a girlfriend, da da da. But but I knew I mean I knew about Julia Stewart from California. And and and, and whether she was Jimmy Stewart's daughter or not, it didn't didn't matter a bit to me. But she get all these guys asking her out. You know, they they go somewhere and then after the requisite amount of time. So are you Jimmy Stewart's daughter? And, <laughs> right. And and, 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 I, and, and, and go- I would say I would say
2: well, I wasn't I didn't know who Jimmy Stewart was. I said, no, no, my dad's name's Bill. <laughs> and, and I was pretty shy and wasn't a movie buff. You know, I didn't, I didn't, nobody clued me into the fact that, that someone sharing my name who was a famous person had been on the campus. And so I think I offended a whole bunch of of guys who thought I was being aloof aloof. And in fact, I was just being kind of... I was pretty quiet. and um, I wasn't I wasn't a wild girl. You know I got a lot of one-time dates. <laughs> But the people who—I mean—they weren't, you know. There was there was nothing going on, <laughs> nothing was going to go on. But I, I was completely
1: mystified. So that's the story. That's how we met.
0: <laughs> the legend of Julius Stewart le- of California.
1: And when we moved here,
2: um, yeah, right? When we moved here from, um, I. You know, we had all these different jobs. We worked in Filbert Orchards. We worked here and there. We worked in vineyards. And I had a job working in a restaurant in McMinnville. And a woman came by who I recognized from Whitman. And I said, hi, I recognize you, but I don't remember your name. And so she told me. She was in the sciences. She always had a white coat on.
1: Was she working at Linfield?
2: No. No, she was working for... A- Uh, some finance company. Hmm. Um, She she said, I have to ask you this question. She said, are you Jimmy (laughs) Stewart? And I said, no. And furthermore, I didn't even know who Jimmy Stewart was. She said, boy, a lot of people thought you were really a snob because you wouldn't you wouldn't own up to being jimmy stewart's daughter <laughs> told him some lie about being bill stewart's daughter. <laughs> that
0: is fantastic i'm so glad i asked that question yeah uh it's all the questions that i have for you today anything that i didn't ask that i should have anything that i didn't cover
1: you know what you should probably edit that Trim <laughs> <laughs> pieces
0: out here or there well thank you that must, so much that must,
1: Yeah. Thanks for coming. We well, really, really do appreciate I, I, it. I really I got to say that what you're doing is is, is is great. I mean, I wish of all the... I wish I'd taken more pictures when we did this. I mean, if I had this great camera, I kind of just... I could have been snapping pictures of David Lett and the harvest uh, and 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 all the okay. stuff and all the people planning the building that We took a lot of pictures.
2: Well, we were doing it. We weren't
1: recording it and I just I just I don't have that gene of like maybe you just go around with the camera and take pictures of stuff <laughs> It's good because because if, if people do that then you can you've got recording of of all this stuff that In, in, in 20 years you are gonna look back and go wow how about? Oh, look! I've got all these pictures. The, mm-hmm. the the one thing that's that I have to my argument is. Film was really expensive. We didn't have digital cameras. You had film, and he, he cost like, teen four bucks, five bucks to develop a, some film, and and. Uh, I, I didn't have for four bucks, <laughs> you know. It, it was it was like forty bucks, and 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 or more, and and, I just. What I wish now, though, film wasn't that expensive. What was expensive was was developing it. I could have just just shot the hell out. You just have bags and bags of undeveloped film. And, and later, when you were when I got some money, then <laughs> then develop get it if they still develop film, which these days well is... they
2: do. I could they... no,
1: I I would have done it before they stopped. But anyway, I just think documenting stuff is great, and and it's so much fun to look back at at all these, the old things that, you know, throughout.
2: Right, but when you're doing something, you're not thinking, boy, this is gonna be really interesting historically. You're just doing the task and thinking, what am I gonna make for dinner? So what time is it? It's, It's already 5.30. So, what am I gonna make for dinner that I can do really fast?
1: So, Lynn feels really lucky that you guys are doing this. Uh, Oregon wine Industries. Oh yeah, that's good. Because it's because, a great, it's a so, great. You project. know, in 50 years, somebody's gonna look at these. <laughs> Whatever, but but it, but it'll be interesting to see.
0: Thank you both so okay. much. Yeah. I really do appreciate this. and appreciate the hospitality. Yeah. We'll go ahead and let you off the hook. Thank you.